1: God works through people. God works through His servants to meet the needs of His own children. Welcome to Core Truth Radio,
0: a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's core truth.
1: We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 17, and I entitled this message, Another Test. I wonder how many of you like to take tests. Well, if you're anything like me, tests are not at the top of your priority list. I remember when I was in school and how some teachers would just randomly do pop quizzes. That's tests, with no warnings. Okay. Uh, That was just wrong, by the way. I just want to say that. Uh, But the all time worse was I remembered my first day as a sophomore in high school, just going into the 10th grade, the very first day of school, one teacher gave us homework on the first day. I actually called her and I said, you can't give us homework. And she goes, why not? And I said, it's the first day of school. She goes, but I'm the teacher. And I'm just like, Ugh. well, in the same way, life is filled with tests on a daily basis. When we know what is right and wrong, that's a test. See, we know. And when we follow through with doing what's right, you know, then we can breeze through life, passing all those tests with flying colors. Know this, God allows difficult circumstances in our lives. He allows that for what reason to humble us so that we can buck fight and rebel against everyone we know. Uh, no, we're to humble ourselves. We're to become a servant. Things might not change, but yet our attitude can change. And that's what God's looking for. I love that verse in 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that may he may exalt you in proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Oh, Lord, just take this load. It's too heavy for me. I don't want to carry this anymore. It's like, all right, give me the load. You know, this is the crazy thing about circumstances. Sometimes... God changes the circumstances, then our heart changes. Other times, the circumstances don't change, and just our heart changes. That's what God wants. It's the outlook. It's how you deal with that. It's like, well, it's going to be like this, this side of heaven, but I'm going to still glorify you. Isn't that what Job said? The Lord is given, the Lord is taken away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. One of the most faithful guys in all of Scripture said that. Well, Moses has had his fill with all their complaining in verse 4. So he cries out to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? The Your people, God, they are ungrateful. Your people are thankless, and they're ready to stone me. Wow. I wonder if that could be said about any of us. You're ungrateful. You're, you're thankless. Which brings up our point. The faithless complain. Verse five. Then the Lord said to Moses, pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand your staff which you struck the Nile River and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb and you shall strike the rock. And the water will come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he named the place Massah, which means test, and Meribah, which means quarrel. So he called the place test and and quarrel because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel. They're complaining and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? You deny me? After everything I've done for you up to this point? I mean, after wiping out Israel? I mean, uh, Egypt, all the Egyptians? After wiping out the Egyptians, you, you, you're going to deny me at this point? You're going you're gonna to still think I'm just going to kill you out here in the wilderness? Really? Ah, I could just see the Lord like, ah, I should have got another people group. (laughs) Well, this is evidence that we serve a gracious and merciful God, right? Because I wonder how many times God was so frustrated with me that he said, I should have raised up someone else besides that guy. But God is gracious and he's merciful. We can all praise God for that. That's a healthy amen to that. Amen. God could have done many things here. Namely, he could have said, I'm sick and tired of your whining and complaining. See, that's what I would have done if I was God. I'm God and you're not anymore. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but that's why I'm not God. Okay, so I think I'll send down fire from heaven and roast you all. That's what he should have done, but he didn't. Again, verse seven said, the people tested the Lord. Their complaining to Moses was really their displeasure with the Lord. So think about that. When you're complaining, your displeasure is really with the Lord. Don't miss that point. We complain about our life, we complain about our spouse, we complain about our job, we complain about our kids, we complain about our circumstances. It's really complaining about the way that the Lord has allowed our life to turn out. That's what we're complaining about. I don't like where you led me. I don't like who I married. I don't like my job. I don't like any of this. I don't like these kids you gave me. They were so sweet at one point. Now they're little jerks. It's like, what do I do? It's like, your complaint is against the Lord. The Lord has allowed life to turn out like it is our complaints ultimately blame shift everything sour in our lives to the Lord forgetting that we live in a culture that has completely rejected God we live in a world that has abandoned the creator of the world let's be reminded again of the verse that we looked at earlier lamentations 339 and 40 why should any living mortal or any man or woman offer complaint in view of your own shortcomings, in view of your own sin. Let us examine and probe our ways and then let us return to the Lord. And when we return to the Lord in a humble manner, that's when he brings times of refreshing to our soul. But because of God's great mercy and love, he continued to love these people as he continues to love you and me. But let's not miss the cool point here. God could have brought water to them in many ways. He could have just opened up the windows of heaven. There could have been a massive rainstorm on them right there. Or he could have caused a flash flood to come out of nowhere. But instead, he did something to encourage each and every one of us here today. Do you see it there? He used Moses to hit the rock. Now, some might say, well, what's the big deal there? Well, the big deal is this. God always works through people. God could do a better job himself, right? I mean, God could do a way better job. Like, who would you rather have speaking up here today? Me or Jesus, okay? It's like Jesus could give a way better message, okay, than I could ever give. But he chooses to use us. He chooses that. You know, he could do a flawless job. But just think, everything would always be perfect if he did. But no, he desires again to use us. God works through people. God works through his servants to meet the needs of his own children. For those of us that desire to be used of God, we can be used of God. Every single one of you have gifts and talents that you could be used of God. We can be used, and here is a perfect example of it. Think about it. Every act of Christian ministry that takes place, it's done by two agents, God and man. God certainly doesn't need our help, but he desires us to help in his plans and his purposes. He allows us to be involved with the process, meaning we can have skin in the game. Think about our church here, Core Church Los Angeles. Think about how many of you have financially given to Core Church here. And guess what? You have an eternal reward of everything that happens at Core Church every time someone gives their life to Christ every time Bible's handed out to someone, every time a life is changed, you have an eternal investment in what you've invested in this church everything that happens over the radio that you don't even know, people on the east coast on the 19 stations that were on the radio back there, lives that are being transformed lives that are coming to know Christ, Bibles that are sent out every single person you have an investment in that person because you've invested in this ministry yes God empowering his people here he uses us you have that eternal reward when that happens yes God empowering people like you and me is crazy but it's true I'm sure that Moses walked up to that rock with a heavy heart how will I make water come out of this rock like a river he had no idea. He was just being obedient. Just like when God tells you to go walk up and talk to this person. What am I going to say? How is this going to work? You have a heavy heart. Like, I don't even know. I had to start a conversation with someone at my work. Invite them. Oh, my goodness. What do I do? Well, don't you think Moses had a heavy heart? Yeah. God tells Moses, go up to that rock. I'm going to have you hit it and water's going to come out of it. Really? Okay, boss. <sighs> But God gave us, in the midst of this rebellion, a wonderful picture here of the future. God used this very scenario to give us a stark picture of what was going to happen in the future. For all of you Bible students out there, it's like, First Corinthians ten four, the Apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee, who was trained by Gamaliel, who had such a wise understanding of the Old Testament scriptures, he brings this very scenario into First Corinthians ten four, and he says the rock was Christ. That here in Exodus seventeen is a picture of what was going to be in the future, and the rock was Christ. Moses represents what? The law. So Christ is the rock. Moses represents the law. And the rod represents the divine presence and power of God. God says, take the rod up to the rock and you're going to strike the rock. The law of Moses holding in the presence of God and the power of God strikes the rock. And water comes out. The rock had to be struck. To release the water. No one drank any water until the rock was struck. Isaiah 53 talks about the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ. He's going to come and he's going to be stricken. It was John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the rock... Christ was going to be stricken and our sins were going to be carried and then what happened when he was struck living water came out why because people are thirsty people are thirsty John 7:37 says I am the living water you drink of me you'll never thirst again Remember the John chapter four, the woman at the well. It's like, oh, I came out here to draw water. Well, if you would have asked me for water, I would have given you living water. When the rock was struck, and Jesus Christ was killed, and he was laid down, it's like all of a sudden now he has brought living water to satisfy us, not our thirst in a natural sense. Like he he satisfied their thirst. He's going to satisfy our soul. The things that we seek after in life. Peace in our heart. Peace in our life. The rock was strucken, And it was like, and then, remember what Jesus said when he said, Who do the people say that I am? In Matthew 16, 18. Well, some say that you're one of the... Uh, uh, you know, prophets, you know, Jeremiah, Elijah, you know. what? If someone say you're that. But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. There they were at Caesarea Philippi. And there's all this worship of all these idols and gods and what have you. And a giant hole there that they thought was the passageway that goes right down to the pit of hell. And Jesus said, Peter... No man showed you that, but my God showed you. Because you are Peter, Greek word, you are Petros. You are a small stone, but upon this rock, he said, upon himself, he uses the word Petra, upon this massive stone, not upon this rock that people are worshiping here at Caesarea Philippi, not upon you, Peter, because you're Petros, you're just a little stone, but upon this rock, me, I will bring life. And this is how people will get to heaven. Upon this rock, this is the way to life. Yes, this was a picture that was going to happen in the future where the rock of Christ would be struck. He would be killed for the sin of humanity. But when that happened, we can come to Christ and the living water can flow into our lives. Well, Moses couldn't make that happen ever on himself. Moses was helpless. He was surrounded by complaining people. He could have, you know, he couldn't draw one ounce of water out of that rock, but rather all Moses had to do was just believe and obey, and when he did the miraculous happened. Yes, Moses hit the rock in obedience and a river of water flowed out. Yes, Christ died for us and now there's living water for whoever is looking to be satisfied in life. Whoever's looking for, what is there, a a, a deeper meaning in this life? Is there something more than what I'm seeing? Yes, there is. You can know God. You can be forgiven. You can go to heaven. I wonder what kind of a river of living water could flow out of us if the Holy Spirit of God was let loose in us. Does God need you? No. Does he need me? No. But he chooses to use us. He chooses to use us. That's his desire. Is that We would be part of what he desires to accomplish, not only in Los Angeles, but around the world. And just in case we didn't clearly see that point here, we have another picture of it again, as God brings his people face to face with an enemy, which brings up our final point here, the faithless prevail. Let's read here in verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us to go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow, I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Remember, the staff is the presence of God. It's the power of God. Verse 10, Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up high that Israel prevailed. And when his hand came down, because he was tired, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Like, how long can you just hold your hand up with the rod? Then they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is My Banner." And he said, the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. Wow. Notice in verse 9, Moses lifted up the staff of God. First, he used it as a serpent when he first came in and seen a Pharaoh in Egypt. He threw it on the ground and it turned into a serpent. Then he took it and he struck the Nile River and the Nile River turned to blood. He started and stopped all the plagues. He split the Red Sea as he held up the rod staff of God. He drew water out of a rock and now he's lifting it up in battle. Don't miss the point in verse 10. He told Joshua what to do and Joshua did it he obeyed. He did what he was told. And just as a point here, side note, he's the only one out of all the adults that came out of Egypt. Him and Caleb are the only ones that went into the promised land. What does that tell you? Obedience will take you to the promised land. We see verse 11, when Moses' arms got tired, Amalek would prevail. When his arms were up, Israel would prevail. So Aaron and Hur helped hold up his arms. And that's how I feel when those of you that are part of this body of Christ, when you serve here at Core Church, it's not making me carry the whole load and the whole weight myself. Verse 14 says, I will utterly blot out Amalek. Wow. And he did that. It was 1 Samuel 15. And God spoke to Saul. King Saul, the first king of Israel. Go to the Amalekites. Wipe them out. Every man, woman, and child. Kill them all. This is what he said, I will wipe them out completely. And he did with Saul. But yet Saul didn't take out all the animals. He kept the best ones for himself. And that's where he said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices than to obey the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Saul said, well, we don't want to kill all the animals. Yeah, we can save some for sacrifice. No, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fatter rams. But as we end here, I wonder what tests that you are facing right now. What hard times and difficult situations encamp around your life as we end here? It could be a test. What will you do? Will you trust the Lord? Will you cling to your Savior? Will you pass the test? Or will you have to take this test over and over and over again because you don't trust him? Don't refuse to learn from your mistakes. Choose to embrace the Lord and to walk in obedience.
0: Amen? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 347. 789 los angeles california 90034
2: hi ladies welcome to open my eyes i'm Lori wilburn does our faith show the world that god is enough psalm seventeen fifteen says as for me i shall behold your face in righteousness when i awake i shall be satisfied with your likeness to be satisfied means to be content with what has been experienced or received Ladies, we're pursuing the very things that the world says will bring fulfillment and identity. Christian women, when did Jesus stop becoming our all in all? Let's discover what only can be found in Him, and may the world see through us that He has satisfied our souls. Hannah Whitall Smith said, The last and greatest lesson the soul has to learn is the fact that God and God alone is enough for all its needs. To learn more, visit my blog at corechurchla.org, corechurchla.org.
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.